Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to World Soccer Talk, Soccer Morning. Yes, if you like soccer, this is the place to be. If you think maybe you could possibly like soccer, stick around. Maybe we can help you with that. Maybe we can help you learn to love soccer just a little bit more. Big show on tap for you today. Plenty to cover. Opportunity for phone calls later in the show. We do have a very, very good guest lined up. Meg Linehan, a woman of many talents, a writer at Vice Sports and many other places, covering many sports, but also doing soccer and doing a fantastic job. She will join us to talk about Abby Wambach's final game, the U.S. Women's National Team game against China last night in New Orleans. Uh, a couple of other, other topics I'm sure will come up with Meg in just a couple of minutes, so stick right there. Do not go anywhere. Even if you're not a big fan of me, Meg Linehan's coming, guys, so so just hold on, okay? Let's hit the news first before we dial up Meg Linehan. In the final game of Abby Wambach's career, the U.S. Women's National Team lose to China one nothing in New Orleans at the Superdome. That ends a 104-game home unbeaten streak that goes back to 2004. That's practically prehistory. That's practically, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to set that up. That's so long ago that, uh, not sure. I think we're having some technical issues this morning. So we're working through that. If we, if we have, uh, (laughs) if we have, uh, if we have an update here, I'll give it to you in a moment. Checking on, uh, checking on this video situation. All right. We are back. All right. So I was setting this up to say that, uh, we are talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. Maybe you just don't, technical stuff throws me all off. Here we go. The U.S. Women's National Team losing to China 1-0 in New Orleans last night. That unbeaten streak now ends at 104 games. A home unbeaten streak. It goes back to 2004. First loss for the U.S. women in 25 matches. Wambach played 72 minutes in the game. Obviously, she did not score. I would have led with that if she had. Wambach's final game also comes on the same day that Japanese great and former world player of the year, Homari Sawa, announces her retirement at the age of 37. So you have two greats sharing the stage there, at least in terms of the women's game uh, going out. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Abby Wambach playing in her final game. Quite the, quite the post-game scene there in New Orleans with Abby Wambach on the mic. Uh, giving, um, giving, <laughs> giving her thanks, saying, uh, saying how much, uh, she loved her career and then talking about Bourbon Street and dropping the mic. We'll talk to Meg about that stuff. Uh, Carly Lloyd named U.S. women's, uh, U.S. soccer's female player of the year for 2015. Well deserved. Some, uh, look, some very good candidates. They won a World Cup. There are going to be other candidates for this award. And yet it's hard to go wrong with Carly Lloyd. She scored 18 goals in 2015 including her stunning first-half hat trick against Japan in the uh, final of the World Cup. If you score a hat trick in the first half of a final at the World Cup, yeah, hard to fade that. Started uh, started 23 of 25 matches for the U.S. Women's National Team in 2015. At that World Cup, she won the Golden Ball for Best Player and the Silver Boot. She lost out on the Golden Boot uh, via the assist tiebreaker, I believe. Uh, several outlets reporting that Pep Guardiola has decided to leave Bayern Munich when his contract expires this summer. We talked uh, to our friend Russ Dunbar yesterday about the future of Pep Guardiola. 
He's set to make an announcement next week about his future, but many reports already coming out that he has decided to move on. This means that many, many clubs are going to be on alert, but specifically mentioned the two Manchester clubs, Manchester City, who may be looking for a replacement for Manuel Pellegrini, and Manchester United, who very uh, very soon may be looking for a replacement for Louis van Gaal. Guardiola has coached Bayern Munich for three seasons. Obviously, the goal is to get that <clears throat> Champions League title. They're pushing hard for it in 2000, uh, 2015-16. We'll see if they can do it. This seems like a distraction that Bayern doesn't need right now. Franck Ribéry is injured. They, they're not in trouble by any stretch, but it's five points in the league. And now they have uh, they have that, that Champions League matchup um, that, they, that they need to handle as well. With Pep Guardiola and potential, uh, the, the his potential departure hanging over their head. The FIFA scandal will have continuing updates every single week. There's bound to be something coming out about this FIFA scandal, and the latest now is that Swiss authorities have frozen millions of Swiss francs um, that are FIFA assets. They're in uh, this is um, reportedly to be in the high double-digit million amount of Swiss francs. I imagine is how you actually say it. American authorities asked Swiss officials for documents relating to 50 accounts at different banks through which corruption money is supposed to have been transmitted. 50 accounts, millions, uh, double-digit million Swiss francs frozen by Swiss authorities. Again, this thing is uh, going to get messier and messier and messier as we go along here. Uh, and Seth Blatter is supposed to have his hearing, I believe that's today or tomorrow. We already know that Michelle Platini is going to boycott his FIFA ethics committee hearing uh, in protest. I mean, these these are uh, these are toddlers throwing tantrums at this point when it comes to the FIFA officials. Uh, both Blatter and Platini reported to be facing lengthy bans, if not lifetime bans. It may be tough to to prove the corruption charge that would lead to a life lead to a lifetime ban, but at least a seven year ban, perhaps for both of those officials. Obviously, Blatter aging out and uh, set to be replaced as FIFA president. Now, Michel Platini with a lot more to lose as he would like to be the man to replace Sepp Blatter uh, at the top of the FIFA pyramid. Luis Suarez hits for a hat trick as Barcelona beats Guangzhou Evergrande 3-0 to advance to the club World Cup final. Barcelona will face River Plate in Sunday's final. The South American champions beat Sanfrecce Hiroshima of Japan on Wednesday 1-0. So once again... Maybe you didn't know the Club World Cup was happening. It's uh, We already got a final set. Uh, it's the champions of Europe against the champions of South America. Ho-hum, it happens every single time. I believe Messi did not play in that game, and I'm not sure that Neymar did either. But obviously, when you have players like Luis Suarez, you don't always need them, especially against uh, overmatched opposition like the Chinese champions. All right. Uh, sorry, the Asian champions. Don't let me downgrade Guangzhou Evergrande. We will step aside. When we come back, we will be talking to Meg Linehan. Abby Wambach's final game, the end of the U.S. women's streak on home soil. Lots to get unpacked there. It's Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we are uh, back on Soccer Morning, and it's the first day of the post-Abby Wambach era in American soccer. Uh, it feels weird. It definitely feels weird to uh, unpack everything that happened last night in New Orleans and, and to talk about Abby and her legacy in addition to some other stories. Meg Linehan joins us now. You can find her at Vice Sports on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. She's a... Uh, She's got uh, a fantastic website as well, personal website. Go find that as well. Meg, how are you? I'm great this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. All right, so Abby Wambach goes out, uh, unfortunately, as a loser on home soil, which has not happened in a very long time. Sorry, I'm trying to to get some audio of, of, of Abby. There's her mic drop. I just had that, uh, unfortunately, on the air. Right. All right so, so, I mean, you know, I, again, it shouldn't be just to be about last night, but, but give me give me a sense of how you felt and how American soccer fans, uh, I imagine, feel today with with Abby Wambach going out like that. I mean, I think that she was handling it really well. I think you saw on Fox after the game, you know, gesturing for everyone to smile. It's okay. Doing those <laughs> the interview with uh, Heather Mitz and Jenny Caps and, you know, dropping the mic there. And then clearly a planned joke ahead of time. Not that that should deduct points or anything. And then to, to have the final talk to the fans, which is, you know, clearly a tradition, um, have the same joke ready. And, you know, I think that she was handling it well. I woke up this morning and saw that line from SportsCenter with her and Julie Saudi where she is completely losing it. So I'm not shocked that that finally happened. I think it's definitely, you know, going to be an adjustment for everyone because she has been the face of the program for so long, um, for better and for worse. So, you know, I think that the future is bright. I don't think anybody should be like freaking out this morning that Abby Wambach is no longer on this team. But at the same time, I think that that was, even though the game was a loss, you know, clearly they were trying so hard to get her one last goal. And I think it did definitely Mm. impact the game as well as that was again, another very questionable turf field for them to play on. There were a number of things. China was not there to fit a narrative. China was there to play a soccer game. So, you know, I think, ending the streak, her final game, there is some sort of strange little poetic thing just since the streak started in the send-off games for Mia Hamm and uh, Fawcett and Saudi. So. Mm. Yeah, I talked to, uh, yeah, I talked to Brandy Chastain yesterday uh, for the Satellite Show, and she said something like, every player on that field is going to be trying to get Abby the ball so that mm-hmm. Abby can score in her final game so she can, you know, tack one more goal onto her ins- insanely gaudy total. And that's, you know, of course, you can't, if you're Jill Ellis, you can't tell your players not to do that. We're talking about a oh, legend yeah. going out. So, yeah, I imagine him back to the game. And I, therefore, I'm not as worried about the streak ending. I'm not, I don't know oh, that yeah. this loss means a whole lot. Uh, and Abby, you know, Abby as a voice here, Meg, let's, let's talk about that because, Yesterday, you know, this is before the game, but clearly she's such a big figure. Graham Hayes at ESPNW wrote uh, that Abby Wambach retiring means the national team needs a new voice. Is there somebody to step into that void? I mean, Abby's not going to go away, but as a as someone who's not going to be playing on the team, she, her her statements aren't going to have the same kind of weight as they might have before. Right, and I think you saw that as well um, before the game. They interviewed Jill Ellis and asked her, you know, who are you expecting to step into that leadership role? And she was like, well, Carly's been our captain on the field, and, you know, there are other players as well who have been here around a, a while that I'm expecting to step into that leadership role. But it, there's no, like, one player that people are really pointing to that's going to be like, this is the player, this is the the person who's going to run this team, essentially. 
And I think that that's apparent that there's not really one player. I think Carly Lloyd is sort of the natural fit for captain. I mean, she's already been performing that function, as Ellis pointed out. Um, for the other aspect, I guess, of Abby, where she is that sort of outspoken voice and willing to just sort of take all of that attention, which I think has always been a very intentional thing of, I'm going to suck up all this attention so the rest of my team can focus on playing soccer. I think that's always been something that she's done. And with the, the turf elements of this victory tour, I mean, we started to see Alex Morgan really start to be a lot more vocal um, in press conferences and things like that. So I can see that sort of aspect of what Abby does on this team going to mm-hmm. Alex and then having the more sort of straightforward team leadership stuff end up with mm-hmm. Carly. But again, I mean, there's definitely a vacuum in the team, and I think it's going to take some time. You know, they're all going to go home for the holidays and come back in the new new year ready for um, CONCACAF yeah. qualifying. So I think that's when we're going to probably start to see things shake out. But there's no personality nearly as big as no, Abby on that no. team now. And, and so you have that element. You also have the the playing side. And, and, and while, look, her, her record stands, you know, stands alone. You can't – there's nothing you can say negative about – the way Abby Wambach uh, performed on the field, and yet, you know, there's there's going to be some reckoning here, and it's already started. I mean, as her career wound down, there was there was a reckoning over how she impacted that team, Meg, and how they played because okay. of Abby Wambach, and that's obviously a transition that's happening. But there's also, you know, th- th- there's also just a a question over whether or not she was always a positive influence within this program that that right. I think is going to be asked. Right. And I think, you know, as much as I think Abby, you can ask that question about Abby, you can also ask that question about U.S. soccer, that sort of this program runs itself in such a fashion where she has that much power as a player. Should she have that much power as a player? I don't have a definitive answer to that by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, there are certainly no one really has it on record, but, you know, everyone is willing to acknowledge that there is at least some influence from the players on how Tom Sermani's career with U.S. soccer ended, mm-hmm. um, as much as people, you know, won't, won't talk about that. So I, I think the bigger question here is how does U.S. soccer now sort of go, okay, we've got this one player who was very um, outspoken and able to influence events, uh, sort of across the board, not just with coaching and all that sort of thing. You know, how are we going to take in and and look at this team now? And, you know, the team as a whole is now operating together. And I think that's where the change is really going to be, that the team was willing to go to bat together as a whole, wrote that piece on um, Players' Tribune about the turf conditions, that's going to be something that U.S. soccer has to adjust to. Yeah, so I think that's really the thing that we're going to have to watch mm-hmm. as um, they're moving on from the Abby era. It's she is regardless of what you make of Abby Wambach, she has been, uh, as you said, she's she's been such a big personality. She's she's taken the lead on on uh, numerous issues that go beyond soccer. She obviously is is un- unapologetic about who she is, and I think that's important. I mean, Meg, just just give me a sense of of what that means, especially in a world where 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 female athletes are too often sort of silenced or relegated to to eye candy. Well, I think, I mean, you look at yesterday and the two dominant stories that were on my Twitter timeline were Abby and then Gilbert Arena. 
And I don't know <laughs> if you could have a stranger juxtaposition of two news stories where yeah. you've got Abby, who's this very, like, outside-of-the-box athlete who's really managed to, you know, the media had to figure out how to cover her. It wasn't the other way around, right? So then to have Gilbert Arenas with his lovely Instagram post and to see uh, WNBA players reacting so strongly to that, you know, I think that the, after this summer, and I think we say this every single major tournament, like this, this brave new world where women's sports are going to be women's sports and they're going to be treated in a different fashion and all that kind of stuff. And so to have this sort of, these two events happening simultaneously was really interesting for me because, you know, I think Abby stands out there and you saw it in all the pregame stuff where all these little kids are saying she's she's teaching me to be a player who, who gives it her all and, you know, all of these sorts of things. And I think she stood for a lot more than just that. I mean, I always start to resist when we talk about uh, women athletes as simply role models mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're athletes sure they can be role models but that's not their number one job and I feel like Abby has always put being an athlete as that number one job and all of this other stuff has sort of happened along with it and I think she's also resisted you know I think that she's probably the most reluctant to um, take any credit for when um, she came out and got married and all that sort of thing so she's not necessarily this sort of perfect paragon of I'm a woman athlete and you should watch me and, you know, like take everything that I'm doing and then put it into your own life. That's not ever what she was about. She was just playing her game and being herself. Yeah, no, and I think so, it's probably a better way to say it. I mean, I, I think it, when I say take the lead, certainly she's vocal about yeah. some things, but as you said, she just, she was who she was and maybe just being that example. And again, she doesn't need to, to put herself out there as an example, but to, right. but, but to, to refuse to sort of play the game of uh forced advocacy i guess is 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 right. in and of itself uh, uh something to to laud her for yeah and i mean i don't know if, like i want it's just it's just who she was and i think you know we're right at the moment definitely in the mode of you know we need to celebrate what she was great about we need to figure out you know like is she the greatest of all time i was kind of amused a lot too well. i was at a poll up on twitter yesterday and i didn't check the final results but it was who was the greatest U.S. Women's National Team player of all time, and when I looked, it was still maybe like an hour in, and Mia Hamm still had over half the vote, so I was like, all right, well, that's probably backfired on what he was intending. So, you know, I just think that she's definitely, I think she resists a lot of interpretation. I think that she just really exists as a human, and so we want to put her in these tiny little boxes and I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like I want to analyze why she's doing what she's doing. And I don't know if she necessarily always has that intent behind her actions. Mm. She just tends to say things. And we found that out yesterday, quite a number of times. You know, she also, uh, you know, and this is, uh, this was written by a couple of people. Um, you know, she wouldn't be Abby Wambach if she didn't, you know, sort of, um, if she didn't say something that made some, uh, some news sort of outside of, of her game and her final day as a U.S. women's national team player. And she did that with the, the reported comments. And I haven't listened to it. I, I don't have the full context, Meg, but I know she went on Bill Simmons podcast. She criticized Jurgen Klinsman and she said something mm-hmm. about foreign players. Now this is being spun as xenophobia. Again, I haven't listened to it. I don't want to put her on xenophobia. Some people are saying, well, Maybe she means developed here versus developed other places. Um, you know, does she have something to apologize for there? 
I don't think so. And I mean, I think she did sort of uh, last night after the game where she was, I think it was actually before the game when she was in the pregame interview when they were like, hey, so you sort of got in trouble today. She started laughing and she was like, you know, I just want the best for the program. And um, she was talking about Sunil Gulati and how she had run into him. And it was like, sorry, you know, like I just want what's best. And I, I think that's always Abby, though. She always wants yeah. what's best. And the words that come out aren't necessarily the ones that she intends to you know, it's not the best made point, but I don't know. I don't think that it was necessarily a, a xenophobia thing. I saw a lot of that and was not, you know, I don't think it's that far of a reach. I don't know if it's about development here or development abroad. I personally, you know, I've definitely gone on record on Twitter to say that we need more diverse development for the women's national team in terms of how many people go abroad and for when and how long, because I think we're seeing the results with, players like Kristen Press and Lindsay Horan when they go abroad and then come back here to play games. So, you know, I think the part of the problem here too is that Abby's coming from the women's team. The men's team is run in a very different fashion with a much larger player pool. Mm-hmm. Um, people sort of phase in and out a lot more. So, you know, the one nation, one team sort of thing is still, I think, um, very much like an idea and not necessarily a reality. So I don't know if the men's national team should be run more like the women's team, which is, I think, where Abby's trying to go, that it should be a much more dedicated domestic sort of program. But I, I just don't think that's how the men's game is run currently. So so what's what what's next? I mean, what do you imagine is next? I'm sure she's been asked a thousand times. I don't know that she's given a definitive answer. I think she's just probably going to go out into the world and be Abby Wambach, but what does that mean exactly? Right. I mean, I think we saw yesterday her final game was definitely a little more commercialized than most expected, the the Gatorade and the Nike thing. So I definitely think she's probably leaning in that sort of direction. I mean, her and Nike would be clearly, uh, I think, a great fit together. I think I've, I had talked about this previously on Soccer Morning, but... You know, I do think that she's probably just going to go out into the world and use her platform to advocate. And she said, you know, after the game that she wants to talk about, you know, just because within the U.S. we're sort of the best doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement and that there aren't other programs out there that are struggling. And, you know, I think we saw that on the Victory Tour with Trinidad and Tobago and, you know, things of that nature. Um, Australia having to drop out of the Victory Tour because the players went on strike. Like, even... Within the microcosm of the Victory Tour, we saw all of these teams coming in or not playing and having these issues. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of work to be done. And having a player with her just level of recognition is going to be a huge thing for the game in general. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, I, 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 probably needs all the help it can get. I so just, I just hope, there. I just hope Meg that she doesn't get, you know, sort of push to the to, you know if she that she doesn't get relegated to a certain narrow spot like if, if fox signs her up that's great for abby you know to have uh, to have abby as an analyst in a fox studio talking about whatever soccer's on television would be great on one hand but it also probably means that she's limited in just how <laughs> how vocal and and how opinionated she can be about other things outside of the game yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, though, because, I mean, you look at Julie Fowdy, who does plenty of work for ESPN, and she has been going off on FIFA as that's of true. late. That's so true. I think it depends on the profile of the person, probably. But, you know, if Fox signed her up, I think that that's a much larger get than 
you know, as much as I have really, really enjoyed um, the former players that they've brought in, none of them have the profile of Abby. I also don't know if that's really, you know, I think Abby, I don't know if that would be her strongest point to be on television yeah. 100% of the time yeah. talking about soccer, so she might not go for that. But, um, you know, I think that there's... A, there certainly has to be like about uh, at least a thousand offers on the table for her right now. So I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I I don't think she's going to sit for very long. She doesn't seem like the person who sits for very long. You know, uh, Abby Wambach retiring is a big deal. Obviously the all time leading goal scorer, men's women's internationals. Um, But uh, we also had another uh, legend of the women's game retire or announce her retirement. I'm not sure exactly what timeline this is going to take, but Homari Sawa of Japan announced her retirement at 37, or her agent did. I'm not sure she's the type to come out and hold a big press conference. There may be something today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Meg, just, uh, you know, again, unfortunately overshadowed, at least in this part of the world, but I, I imagine a lot of uh, a lot of tributes for, for Sawa as well. Yeah, I still saw, you know, a fair amount on Twitter. I think that she is one of the best players in the game, and, you know, I, I don't know if she's ever gotten truly the amount of appreciation that she should have over here, but she won 2011 uh, FIFA Women's World Player of the Year. That was the year that she actually beat out Abby and Marta for the award. And, you know, her role on that team in the, the 2011 win for the Women's World Cup can't be overstated. And, you know, I think it is actually sort of nice because I, I feel like Homari Sawa and Abby actually had a really great sort of respect and friendship with each other. So um, I, I think it is sort of fitting that that was announced the same day that Abby was retiring, even if it was definitely overshadowed. So um, she's a huge player. I mean, over 200 caps, I think 82, 83 goals for Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, She was just a huge part of that program. So I don't think, I think that she knew that she was not probably going to make an Olympic roster at this point. So, um, you know, I, I do think that she should get, a huge amount of recognition, though, for what she brought to the game in Japan. Sawa retiring uh, at the age of 37, Wambach uh, retiring at the age of 35. Um, this is, you know, this is the older generation, obviously, kind of naturally going um, going away as as the next round of players come come up. Now that, that we had a 33 year old winner of the of the the U.S. Soccer Female Player of the Year in Carly Lloyd, and we'll get to her in a second. But it, it seems as though. Abby was certainly a, a kind of a bridge figure between the 99ers and that generation mm-hmm. and this new generation that just won a World Cup because she didn't she didn't play she wasn't around in 99 and she didn't play a major role in the in the 2015 at least in the final I mean she was a, a participant right. throughout the tournament but she wasn't a major figure um, mm-hmm. you know is this generation ready to continue that that momentum is there somebody regardless of the voice and the leadership is this team is this team as talented to talented enough to make up for the loss of Abby Wambach, to play the way that they to change the way that they play or continue that that process and go on and 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 really be what we expect the U.S. Women's National Team to be, uh, tournament to tournament. No, I think absolutely. There's a ton of talent waiting in the wings. I mean, I think now it's a matter of you know, and this is part of why I was so glad that the unbeaten streak at home finally ended because now you have this new generation of players coming up. You've got like the Lindsay Horan, Stephanie McCaffrey's, Kristen Press, Crystal Dunn, like that group of players that you can really build this team around. And they don't have the immense pressure of this sort of meaningless 104 unbeaten game streak. 
hanging over their heads, they're actually going to have a chance where they can maybe have some losses but learn something about how to play as a team. And this has never really been something. I mean, we saw what happened at the Algarve Cup when we started having some bad results that pointed towards having issues in, in terms of what the team was trying to do. It just, everything sort of got thrown out the window. We fired Tom Tremonti and then tried to start from scratch with what is essentially status quo. So I personally am now very excited to see what happens and this sort of next generation of players that can come in and be a little more technical. I mean, Abby clearly has the goal scoring record, but it's that sort of very straightforward target forward long ball game. And now you don't necessarily have that player. I mean, you can put Julie Johnston up there to be a, a target on set plays for sure, but you're not sort of going, okay, get it to Abby. Okay, get it to Abby. So, you know, definitely a new day, but I mean, we've seen a lot of players have these sort of bright, shining little moments on this victory tour, despite sort of the weirdness of it, where Stephanie McCaffrey comes on, scores a goal, is doing great things up and down the wing. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be biased towards her just because I get to watch her in Boston all the time, but to have a player come up out of the National Women's Soccer League, which in theory should be a place for development for these players, the system appears to be working almost despite itself. Mm. All right, so it brings us to Carly Lloyd again, announced before the game as the U.S. Soccer Female Player of the Year and deserved, but, you know, there were other candidates, certainly Becky Sauerbrunn getting a lot of run from the, you know, I, I don't know that she's the hipster choice necessarily, Meg, but she's certainly the, the, the soccer fan, <laughs> soccer fan's choice. You know, the, a lot of people who, who value what she did and the platform she provided and that whole defense provided mm-hmm. for the, for the women this summer. Um, is Carly the right choice for you? I personally, if I had been given the chance to vote, would have voted for Becky Sauerbrunn. I don't think that we'd get out of the group stages the way that we did without Becky Sauerbrunn, um, which gives Carly Lloyd, because Carly Lloyd did not necessarily have a great group stage of the tournament, but then, you know, she was clearly, I mean, I wrote a, a piece for Vice Sports that published the day of the final to be like, Carly Lloyd is the player that's going to make or break this team in the final. And then, I mean, I looked somewhat like a genius that day, so I was pretty glad about it. I mean, you cannot deny the year that Carly Lloyd has had, and I also don't think you can say, well, she's probably going to win the FIFA Player of the Year award and not have her win U.S. Soccer Player of the Year. I mean, it certainly right. would have been a little strange, but yeah. Becky Sauerbrunn is the absolute, I mean, foundation bedrock of this team. And defenders who are smart and anticipate well and, you know, make the sort of plays that Becky Sauerbrunn makes that aren't flashy but are just so smart they don't necessarily get that recognition. So I think it was definitely just sort of like a, hey, Becky Sarban has been out here doing work that is just so thankless and so well done. You know, why not maybe vote for her for this award? But, I mean, both players certainly deserve it. I mean, if it had to be of the five who are nominated, Becky Sarban would have been my pick, but Carly Lloyd is clearly. I mean, there's no surprise. Uh, no surprise at all. Again, the, the first half hat trick in the in the final. I mean, that, that's something that we may never see men's or women's in right. you know the, in history. That's 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 something that perhaps only she will ever do. And and it's very difficult to say that it's, that's a wrong choice when somebody has taken. No. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a hat trick. It's a hat trick in sixteen minutes. Yeah, that's, that's, like it's not even a hat trick in a game. It's a hat trick in sixteen minutes uh, and that final goal from midfield. So you can't. I can't be mad. 
Uh, you know, okay, uh, you know what Maggie said that you know the, the, these women are going to go go to, you know take their holiday break. They're going to come back and, and reconvene for 2016. Especially, uh, lots of work to do, especially with the Olympics coming up. It's a it's a short roster for Jill Ellis. You'll have some tough choices to make. Uh, where do things stand? I mean, regardless of of Abby Wambach retiring, there's you know there's obviously a lot to be positive about. But then we have the the, the swirling controversy of. Uh, of equal treatment of the turf issue and, and all of those things. So how do you feel about the program right now? I mean, I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. I, I think that U.S. soccer, I think that the relationship between the players and U.S. soccer is definitely at a point where it's never been before. And there's also some ongoing issues with the CBA. You know, the CBA has never really been finalized again. So, the players have a lot of power right at the moment as a unit. And I think that's what they figured out with this turf issue is that if they operate as a unit and they all put their names on this player tribune thing and they all sort of, you know, act as one group, they're going to achieve a lot more. And that's typically how they've done their, their CBA negotiations. So I am very curious to see how much leverage they can get out of this especially, you know, post-Women's World Cup win, you're going into the Olympics. I mean, I don't think they're going to have to make sure that they stay focused on the eventual Olympics coming up this summer. But I do think that they are both ready and willing to take on these sort of outside projects beyond just playing on a field and saying, look, the field conditions aren't fair. We're putting our bodies on the line. Yes, you're paying us for it, but at the end of the day, we're theoretically this number one program, and we deserve to be treated sure. like we are the number one program. Well, that, that so leads me. I, that I leads do me... think that there's going to have to be some adjustment from U.S. Soccer. Okay, and that leads me to a question about whether or not these these women in this particular team and 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 as representatives of of the number one program feel that burden to 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 step out to to be the ones who make this challenge and and push for these these changes and for, for equal treatment or better treatment when there are the Trinidad and Tobago's of the world, the Australia's of the world who have been struggling and, and don't have the leverage that the U S women have. Right. And I mean, it's not only just the programs outside of the U S and you look at where we are with the, the national women's soccer league as well. And the wages that are earned by the, you know, the minimum wage people of that league, you know, I, I think that there could also be some more attention turned in that direction as well, even just keeping our attention within the U.S. of improving the um, <clears throat> conditions for players within the NWSL. Um, you know, we've expanded again without necessarily raising that, that minimum wage. And U.S. soccer has definitely upped the amount of money that it's put in to the NWSL for sure. So I do think that I don't know if they necessarily have the goals to think beyond the senior national team. I wish that they would have the goals to think beyond the senior national team, but there are certainly plenty of issues that could use their attention and their platform. The question is, you know, do they have the bandwidth to handle all of that? And I don't know what the answer to that is. It probably is not. And that I don't know if we should hold that against them. Um, I mean, First and foremost, their job now, right at the moment, is to qualify for the Olympics and then win gold medal. So, 
There you go. Meg Linehan on Twitter. It's Meg Linehan uh, writing on uh, women's soccer and many other topics, uh, doing so at Vice Sports and many other outlets. Uh, Meg, thank you very much for the time. It's a good chat. and We'll uh, say our goodbyes to, to Abby, and, and I'm going to play some, some audio from last night as we go out here. Thanks for the time, Meg. All right. Thank you so much. There goes Meg Linehan there. Here's this. This is the speech Abby Wambach gave to the crowd last night in New Orleans. I'm not getting emotional, hi. Um... I'm going to keep this short. I love I love this team. Country. And it has been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all, the fans, for as long as I've been able to. My family, my friends, you guys are up in the suites. I wish I was there right now. But the reality is, is I think symbolically, the way that this game went means that this team, and for me, means I can walk away. The future is so bright. These women are going to kill it. I know it. And before I get emotional, I just want to genuinely express how much I've given myself to this team and how important... It is to give all of yourself to whatever you want to do in your life as a passion. I love you guys so much. Bourbon Street, watch out. Abby Wambach addressing the crowd last night in New Orleans. Bourbon Street, watch out. Mic drop. Can't do any better than that as she uh, retires the age of 35. Let's take a break when we come back. Phone call. Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, everybody. According to Twitter, Jose Mourinho has just been fired by Chelsea Football Club, so that has happened. We can definitely talk about Jose Mourinho being fired at 646-832-3909. Phone lines are open. Where does Jose land? See, to me, the more fascinating side of that story isn't who they replace him with. Juan de Ramos, by the way, re- reported to be a, a choice, which is laughable. Juan de Ramos is, okay, whatever. I want to know where Jose is going to, to end up. Because you, do, you, do we really think that Jose is going to sit on his haunches and not do anything for like a year? Jose Mourinho is not Pep Guardiola. 
Jose Mourinho is a guy who has to be working. Yeah, it didn't, it's gone sideways hard at Chelsea in this season. They just won a title last year, by the way. I mean, he just won a title last year. And I, look, I understand that when you're a big club like Chelsea, you have, you have expectations and, and the turnover of that club is dependent on the Champions League spot, et cetera, et cetera. But man, this is mind blowing that Jose Mourinho has been fired by Chelsea on December 17th. He didn't even make it halfway through the season. He didn't even get them to the festive period. He didn't even get them to the new year. Gone. Like that. Yeah, and he's going to get a ton of cash to go away. What do they call it over there, Trevor? Gardening leave? Gardening leave or something like that, right? I I mean, the British have some weird phrase for everything, but he's going to be sitting there with a fat paycheck doing nothing, not having to deal with the media, not having to deal with John Terry, not having to deal with a completely disastrous season from Ed Nazard, not having to deal with Cesc Fabregas and his nonsense, the Cesc have nonsense, not having to deal with any of it. And he's going to be just rolling deep. I want, I want Jose Mourinho to just go, see, whenever, whenever uh, a famous, what? Whenever a famous football manager of any notoriety comes over to the United States, he's immediately asked a thought a lot of questions about the future of American soccer. Jose is one of those guys. Every time Jose comes here with one of his teams on a tour, he's asked, and oh well, maybe I want to coach in the United States one day. Maybe I maybe I'll maybe you know, I, I see a lot of potential here, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's mostly him being nice. I think he I don't know how he really feels, but I want to see Jose Mourinho. Do a tour of the U.S. now that he's been fired by Chelsea. Just get just as a, as a holiday, as a vacation. Get on a plane, fly across the Atlantic, and just bounce around the country for a while. Just pop up in places. Just show up. Show up in New York. Show up in D.C. Show up in Chicago. Show up in Houston. Show up in L.A., Seattle, Portland. Roberto, you're on the air. Wow, did Mourinho really get sacked, Jason? He did, man. Well, I mean, that's what Twitter says. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Um, that, that wasn't any of my questions, but that was um, that's just shocking. Anyway, um, my question to you is, you said a few days ago about the, uh, the Club World Cup and say that um, not a lot of people really care about it. Well, I do agree on that sense on a European standpoint, Asian standpoint, maybe an African standpoint. You have to look at the South American standpoint and look at how important that single final. You look at the... Do you know the two teams in the final, by the way? Yeah, River Plate and Barcelona. They sent 20,000 fans from all over the world, River Plate, just to see Japan. From all ages, young, old, short, tall, even a blind man went there just to feel the sensation of that, that, that game. It shows the, the passion that these teams have, don't you think? And... Uh, I, I wouldn't go over and say that nobody really cares about it, but it's it's a really important tournament for those. South okay, okay, but Roberto, but Roberto, come on, man. I mean, look, I, I understand they sent a bunch of people, and and you know what? If River Plate beats Barcelona, that's a big deal to River Plate. But River Plate doesn't start their season saying, "Wow, our goal this year is to win the Club World Cup." They start their season going, "We want to win the Argentine Primera. We want to win 
the Copa Libertadores. Those are their goals. And then we're going to win the World Cup. Yeah, but that's like a tacked on thing. That's like an add on. If they, if it's, they don't even worry about it until they get there. You know what I'm saying? Or until they, the, until the trip's coming around. Club America won the CONCACAF Champions League, went to, to Japan and laid an egg against Guangzhou Evergrande, and their fans are not going to lose any sleep over it. They shouldn't. Mm. No, no, I, and I understand that 100%, but these are, um, these are successful teams we're talking about that sure. have been trying to... It, it, that, look, that, that's okay, Roberto, goal. Roberto, Roberto. It, o- it, it only matters, it, Roberto, it only matters in the sense that they're going up against Barcelona. That's why it matters. Yeah. If if the European opposition, sure, but that's one game that matters to River Plate. Now, again, they won their last. They won the semifinal. And here's the thing: the, the, again, the format of the tournament doesn't lend itself to actual interest from anybody because you send Club America over there. They got to play in uh, an early round game against Guangzhou Evergrande, the, the the host team. Which why is there a host team in a Club World Cup? Like that doesn't. The, they're supposed to be the champions of the re- of the confederations. Okay, why is San Freche whatever? The, I mean, I guess I guess that's the way that you do it for the World Cup. Host teams are are always in it. I just it seems weird that so you you don't you don't even put Barcelona into the tournament until the semifinals, and then it's like I don't know. I I, I don't I don't know, Roberto. I just don't. Well, back, back back in the day, it was just South America versus Europe, and that was basically the definitive match to say who is the best team in the world. Yeah, a that, Super that Cup kind of thing. The, yeah, yeah. The intercontinental, intercontinental Cup. So let me ask you this, though. Would you rather see that or the Club World Cup, obviously, because of Yeah, I guess, I mean, get, 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 get the Asian champion in. Get the, uh, the North American champion, sh- champion in there, sure. But uh, I know Oceania was in there. Uh, who, was, who was Auckland, mm-hmm. I think? Uh, yeah, I I guess, but I don't know, man. I I just I I just don't think I think it's too late. Too late. Yeah, it's the same way. It's just this is the same problem MLS has, and the same problem that the Concacaf Champions League has. It's too mm-hmm. late. It's too late to establish yourself as a big tournament, unless you're going to scrap other tournaments that take away from the interest if you're, unless unless you're going to say I mean and you can't do that because you got the, the European Continental Championship the, in terms of the, the the Champions League you've got the Copa Libertadores you, you those those tournaments benefit from the fact that they're 100 years old you know what I'm saying they're, even the Champions yeah, League, even yeah. the Champions League which yeah, is a relative the Champions League a relative new invention there still was a European Cup there still is a legacy of European championships between teams in different leagues and those teams have a legacy to them. I mean, River Plate's 100 years old. Barcelona's 100 years old. They've won a million Spanish League championships. It's You just can't start something now in terms of sports and, and expect it to launch, you know, to, to have any prestige. And, and I don't know that uh, what I'm trying to say is I, if, if the Club World Cup is going to matter, like really matter, then they, they've got to figure out a way to make it matter to millions of people who don't normally who wouldn't who don't care about Barcelona who don't care about River Plate. Well, that's the that's the problem overall, I guess, because you're only having one big team that is basically marketable around the world, and that's Barcelona. You can obviously make a point for River Plate, but they were the champions of Europe, and therefore they have that right. But in a way, in a, in a um, in a marketing sense, yeah, you're right. It's not going to market at all because of you're just having one big team, and that's Barcelona there. So it's it's a complicated process, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Roberto, you have any thoughts on, on Jose? Wow. 
just wow. I, I just can't believe it. Bring on Ancelotti. Wait, wait, you, no, you, you so, can't you wow. can't believe it? I mean the guy I mean you can believe it based on their current their their current results. I mean the current form, the way that the where they sit in the standings, you can believe it because of that, right? But maybe well, you, I mean I mean I I thought honestly that he would probably be gone by um by Christmas. That's what I predicted well, a few months ago just because of bad form. But it's eight days till Christmas. It's it's eight days yeah, till eight Christmas. Days before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Roberto. Appreciate the call, man. Surprising, but um, let's see what happens. Let's yeah. See, all right. Yeah, it should be very fascinating. There goes Roberto in Connecticut. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine is your phone number. Uh, so many tweets about Jose. So many tweets. Everybody has to tweet. Breaking, developing news. N- breaking news. It's it's a big deal. It's a big deal around the world. Uh, let's see. Uh, does anybody have <laughs> Eddie in Brooklyn? You're going to get yourself banned from this show, dude. Eddie in Brooklyn on Twitter. But can Chelsea still make the playoffs? Yeah, dead horse. That is a dead horse. Eddie, we get it, man. We get it. The real champions of MLS. The true champions of MLS. The New York Red Bulls. The true champions. The people's champion. The New York Red Bulls. They are the ones who deserve the praise. The what? The Portland what? They did what now? No. The New York Red Bulls, champions of MLS. 646-832-3909. But, but uh, you know, uh, whether or not, if we want to talk about playoffs a little bit, Eddie, sorry, you did it to yourself. Yeah, okay, so over the course of a, of a full season, the best team comes out on top. You identify that team as the, the best team. The problem now in, in the Premier League for a team like Chelsea, not that, not that, not that Chelsea fans aren't spoiled already, but for a team like Chelsea is now there's, what is there to play for? I mean, what, what is there, what is there to hope for at this point? You're not going, you're not climbing the table. You're not finishing in the Champions League spots. That's not happening. The only way that Chelsea now can make a Champions League spot in 2016, 2017 is to win the entire tournament. And they're still in that tournament, by the way. They're still in the Champions League. It's interesting timing, by the way, that Pep Guardiola has announced that, or not, he hasn't announced, excuse me, the report suggests that Pep Guardiola is going to leave Bayern Munich in the summer, and here's Chelsea, who are likely going to name a caretaker until the end of the season. And then they're going to be in the race to sign Pep Guardiola. Come the summer. I, I don't know that Pep wants to mess with Chelsea. I think of his choices, Manchester City, perhaps Manchester United, Chelsea. I think that Chelsea's third on that list. If, if it was me, if I'm making that choice, if all three of those teams are coming in for me, I think Chelsea is third on that list, mostly because of their ownership, mostly because of Roman Abramovich, mostly because... How can you trust that guy not to meddle? How can you trust? And, and, and it's it's going to be toxic there after Jose's departure. Now, Pep, Pep has enough of a of a feel-good profile about him, I mean, a, a genius profile about him, that he could probably come in, make a couple of changes, talk to some players, and change the whole culture of that, of that team overnight. But I don't know that they go from this disaster to succeeding again and challenging for a title again just like that, just by changing their head coach, their their manager. 
646-832-3909. Thoughts on Jose Mourinho losing his job out at Chelsea. And who's next? Because there, uh, there isn't a long list of available names. It's not as though there are a bunch of good managers sitting around waiting to pick up the phone when Chelsea gives them a call. And again, it's not if they were if they were sixteenth, what are they sixteenth, fourteenth, wherever they are. If if it was just about the Premier League, if this was a Chelsea team that was in in the bottom half of the Premier League table. Uh, struggling, unlikely to get a, a, a top four spot. Really, at this point, not. I mean, you know, relegation is, is a specter that hangs over this this club. Amazingly enough, if it was just about keeping somebody up, then there are certain managers out there that you could hand, you could imagine giving this job to. But they're also in the Champions League. They're in the last sixteen of the Champions League. I mean. To see to see a team like Chelsea not only in this position, now without a manager, but also in the Champions League final, you know, in the last sixteen of the Champions League. Ah, it's stunning stuff. I mean, there, there's not a bigger story in, in the in the the world of football, I don't think, than this one. Chelsea has PSG, right? I can't seem to, for whatever reason, my my Google machine doesn't want to give me the Champions League draw. I believe Chelsea has has PSG in the next round. Yeah. Come February 16th, they will be away to uh, to Paris Saint-Germain. And that's obviously a a tough matchup for them. So are you bagging that? You're not bagging that, right? You have to go for that. Now, maybe it depends on where you are come mid-February in the table, how much effort you can really put into the Champions League. Man, very fascinating times in English football with Jose Mourinho. And damn it, Chelsea, overshadowing the retirement of Abby Wambach, overshadowing the retirement of Hamari Sawa. Overshadowing the free agent signing of Drew Moore by TFC. Overshadowing, I can't say that one with a straight face. Overshadowing Louisville City pushing for MLS out of the USL division. They're looking for, okay. I did want to talk about Louisville. I don't have any particular insight. They're the uh, the other purple team in American soccer, I do believe, right? Are they purple? They are. I don't know enough about Louisville to say whether or not they're a legitimate MLS expansion candidate, but you get that ownership group behind them. Where is Louisville in time in terms of television market? I know that it sucks to have to think about it that way, but that stuff matters. For MLS, the size of the market is still a thing that you have to be worried about. Louisville's number 49, I think. Wait, is that right? Yeah, Louisville number 49 television market. Ahead of Louisville are Jacksonville, Florida. They've got an NASL team. Albuquerque is ahead of them. Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem. Is that like Tobacco Road or something? Harrisburg, Lancaster, Lebanon. York, Pennsylvania, excuse me. 
Oklahoma City's ahead of them. Birmingham's ahead of them. Norfolk, Virginia's ahead of them. That's the the Hampton Roads, Tidewater area. Vegas, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Battle Creek's ahead of them. Okay. Not that again, that doesn't necessarily mean that Louisville's not a legitimate candidate. But to see that they are making that that push to say that they have those aspirations, maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Maybe. There might be some other cities ahead of Louisville in terms of where MLS wants to look. Again, they haven't let Sacramento in, and Sacramento's a top twenty market in this country. Phone lines seem to have dried up. Nobody wants to talk about Jose. Nobody wants to talk about Abby Wambach and share their memories of Abby Wambach. Nobody wants to Nobody wants to talk soccer with me on a Thursday. Guys. Okay. Let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much to Meg Linehan. Go follow her on Twitter. It's Meg Linehan. There's absolutely no reason for you not to do that. It's a must follow situation. I'm putting out the call. Meg Linehan. It's Meg Linehan on Twitter. Go do that right now. I'll wait. Okay, good. Thanks to uh, Roberto for his call. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Friday edition of the program. Who is... That's really loud. Where's uh, Chelsea going to turn? Who could possibly replace Jose Mourinho? What happens with Jose Mourinho? So many stories. We'll cover them all tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart